Welcome back to the docket. It's the audio wing of bestevidence.fyi. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here with Eve Beatty. Hello, Eve. Sarah, it's our last The Docket of 2023. It is. So, uh... I was really hoping that we could look back at uh, our year in true crime and see how we were feeling about things, what we were going to do differently, what we were going to keep the same. Um, has anything changed for us during this year of doing this newsletter with um, with each other and all of our wonderful readers and listeners? Uh, I have a couple of thoughts, but I'm interested to hear from you, Eve. Any any shifts for you in 2023? This feels like the part in the rom-com where um, they're like, you go first. <laughs> and um, then I say all this stuff and then you're like, okay, never mind. But I, I was going to propose, but now I'm not. Um, so <laughs> what were you going to so, say? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I just want um, you to be happy. Well, I think, okay. So sort of my primary thing that looking back on the year I'm psyched about is that we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we, you and I had this conversation about how to sort of move the newsletter forward. Uh, the, I guess maybe the middle, the middle of this past year. I can't actually remember when we had this conversation now that I, I think, think about it. It's all blurred together. the episode of the docket was in June, like end of June. So yeah, it was okay, like yeah. half a year. Yeah, so middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you know, and I was like, well, you know, let's just, I always had so much fun on the blotter with you. And it seemed like every week a reader brought up how much they missed the blotter. But I mm -hmm. also knew that the blotter was a huge lift for you every week. So my hope was that doing this show that's a little bit looser and less schedule and sort of um, less of a lift would be something that would work and would also make readers happy. And I feel like it's working out. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. it. And I'm also... Um... I also like that sometimes something that I want to talk about either in print or like uh, as part of a like part of a review or something, sometimes it just like gets away from me. So this is an excellent sort of um, <laughs> crumb catcher Yeah, <laughs> that's um, more dismissive than I feel. But uh, yeah, that this is sort of like a, a little looser but also that um like a lot of ideas happen for me when I'm listening back to it and editing it so it's it's really been a boon and nice to nice to come back to it even though it's not named the same thing but you know th yeah. things evolve yeah yeah so I like that and I also feel like just in general I am so appreciative of the uh people who Subscribe to us, period, and who read us, who comment. Paid subscribers are obviously a huge deal to us because if we weren't making money on this, we would not be able to continue it. And more paid subscribers are always better. And you're coming down to the wire in terms of holiday gifts. Uh, Best mm -hmm. Evidence makes a good holiday gift. Yeah. So I'll just say that seeing, you know, a gentle increase not only in subscribers but in paid subscribers over the past year has been very gratifying to me it makes me feel like what we're doing is something that is resonating with like the cool people so i like that yeah i like that too and i like i like um the conversation that it's in with the bookshop um because mm -hmm. it you know it 
keeps like ethical considerations, but also like meta questions about the genre and what makes a, you know, piece of true crime uh, worthwhile or good or classic. And that's the whole point of doing the newsletter. So, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed having that, having those two um, different ways of approaching the genre in conversation with each other, like at my desk every day for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of years now. So, but I've also, I've also um, like learned some, not learned some negative things, but something that was reinforced to me this year is that if it feels like an obligation or that I quote, should have an opinion on a case or a specific property, that means I probably shouldn't cover it or review it because then the coverage will reflect that it's a chore. And there's plenty of true crime properties that are worthwhile and could stand spotlighting that don't have to be about um, the murder of Gabby Petito. They don't have to be about the Murdochs. Like, it's not like those properties have had nothing to offer me or us on the newsletter, but uh, I did learn something that's it's kind of an inversion of what I always used to tell freelancers back in the previously TV days, which was like, uh, you know, this, I know you're like telling, managing my expectations, saying how boutique this pitch is, but if you really care about it and you have an idea of how to write it, readers will care about it and respond to that. And like super niche is not a problem, but if you're just writing to a fucking SEO brief, that that will come through. And I understand that people have to do that and I get it, but there is so much rote response right around true crime reviewing out there that I don't care to waste my time or the readers if I don't really give a shit. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, did you have a did you have a similar not revelation, but because you're doing a little more work for uh true crime genre legend Vanity Fair these days. Did you have any kind of shift in that regard in terms of what you want to cover? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that I have definitely seen a lot more of, and I'm not going to like sort of beat the AI drum, even though sometimes I wonder, is that we don't have to, the reason we don't have to either in sort of our day jobs or in this cover every single thing, you know, every single property that comes down the pike is because there is either a bot or a person starting their career at, you know, some publication who's doing it already. Mm -hmm. When town and country and good housekeeping and all of these other publications are doing the, you know, 10 things about the real person in the Dr. Death case mm-hmm. um, when all, you know, all of those publications are just chasing those clicks already. Right. Nobody needs us because it's all there and um, let them do that. I mean, I feel bad. Like the thing is I'm going to watch the new Dr. Death um, show because I like Edgar Ramirez. So I feel bad about using that as an example. Um, yeah. But although, you know, I, I mean, I saw the first half of it and spoiler, I'm not sure, totally sure you should bother. Like, it, it, did you read oh, really? the Vanity Fair article? Because that's. 
this is just about edgar ramirez and the hotness that i find in him Mm, but maybe but you know what but that's true i could just watch there are many other things i could just watch with him in it so you do make a point but yeah i know i know everything about that case already right i don't need to but um i just felt a little bad because i always feel like he hasn't gotten a good enough shot in his career but anyway that's That's neither here nor there but the point is that uh, one of us should bet crap that guy no oh my god yeah you're right you're right. I don't know, though. He's done a lot. Of, oh, he's probably done a lot of Spanish language. Stuff. Anyway. Oh, my God. This is a terrible tangent. But the point is that, you know, if we were launching Best Evidence 10 years ago, I would have felt a lot more obligation yeah. to hit everything that was coming out because the same sort of way that if you're a uh, local newspaper, you're like, we got to cover, you know, every high school football game because no mm-hmm. one else is writing about it. Right. That is not a problem for us. No. Um, given what we what we do and the the SEO world and the rise of AI that you know can uh, what's a word that's worse than capably but is not completely dismal anyway that <laughs> will assimilate a lot of the daily news coverage and put it into a sort of a soylent version of a mm-hmm. story so you know you know who these real people are yeah so slurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that like being more curated and not just doing that, this is the new thing is a good decision that more people should pursue and more people should consider. And I think that that's like, you know, the Texas Monthly sort of uh, yes. uh, like that's their that's why they are who they are is because they do that stuff and they're not just I'm sure that, you know, they have an SEO plan, but that's not what it is. And these are not new cases and then they get optioned and it's great. And I think that more people should think about doing that. But um, anyway, that's something that sort of like definitely talking to you about this, put it into perspective for me too, that we don't need to, I mean, I'll still probably do like, you know, new book reviews as opposed to like books that have been out for a while, just because I gravitate to the new book section or the new releases on book riot or whatever. But um. You know, that's something I'm going to continue doing, but that doesn't mean that if I stumble across something that um, I feel like maybe has been missed in the past that I won't uh, bring it up. And that's also like why, like when I'm writing about like the, you know, stuff on Friday, I'll be like, yeah, this came out last week, but I'm only going to get to it this week. And I like the conversation that it sort of like brings up in our comments too, that it's like, oh, I already watched it and this is what I thought. And then other people like, oh, I just checked out one. So it's nice. Like, I feel like we're all sort of, it's not quite the same as, you know, back in the days when we all just watched one episode a week, but it gets us sort of in a sort of a adjacent neighborhood. And I enjoyed that. Well, and I also like that, you know, the community of commenters and readers is sort of like, um, it's like a 360 approach to the genre. So chances are, if you're like, well, should I bother with X if I watched Y that was about the same case, but it was 20 years ago and it was a broadcast network miniseries, someone will know and have watched it, which is great. But my, it's not really a resolution. It's more a, I'm going to keep doing this because this is where my interest is right now. But um, I'm so much more interested of late in genre content from before the genre itself was so firmly codified and promoted as itself. Um, Because I think it left the narratives freer to be what they were without feeling 
like there were certain uh, frameworks or benchmarks or like by numbers construction uh, issues as today's content sometimes can. I mean, not that like a TV movie on a network didn't have parameters and like everything else being equal. I would rather that my true crime contained like credible swearing for instance. Um, but the labeling within true crime seemed way less strict even 25 years ago, but certainly like my recent bonus review of Lacey Fosberg's like nonfiction novel or interpretive nonfiction. I think she tried to call it um, that, you know, this would never be, this would never be written this way today. Um, yeah. Mostly because like the perpetrator and his family cooperated very fully with her. Roseanne Quinn's family did not cooperate at all with her. So it wound up being this um, weird prestige hybrid um, murderer centric narrative. But it has these moments of like pellucidity in it that like that book, you would just not see it today. Yeah. Like it's, it's black and it has red writing on it, but it's also written by a, a times reporter. And there are moments where she's just trying exhaustingly hard to elevate the material to make it worthy of the Capote blurb. Mm-hmm. It got probably while he had, you know, was under the influence of four, two and all. So like, don't, <laughs> don't take anything so seriously, Lacey Fosberg. But on the other hand, I mean, I kind of feel like things were assigned or conceived in publishing as stories and, and not true crime. It was like, it's a story that and a yeah. crime is at the center, but it's really a New York story. Like, I just am a little weary of the obligatory three episode Hulu joint that's like it's fine it's not offensive it's competently assembled but don't we all have like there's only so many trips around the sun do you want to spend part of one on competently assembled I had exactly the same sort of I had that moment the other day it was um I won't name what it was but it was a a three episode Hulu joint that's not out yet and I had the screeners um, and I started watching it and I was like nah you know I it just was this is on the treadmill mm-hmm. um, you know it's not worth it to me it, I am not going to make this run if I have to watch another one of these same things but I know all the beats already it mm-hmm. felt like a dream I knew what was coming <laughs> um, yeah. it, well no I mean like you know those dreams you have again and again I knew exactly what was going to happen even mm-hmm. though I had you know this was a fresh thing and instead I like started watching dune which you know as god intended on my phone on the treadmill well sure i mean that's based <laughs> on a real case <laughs> i know did it, guys. <laughs> but god. so i know i know exactly what you mean and i also like you know to that end i also feel like um for me and the trips around the sun i don't know if i'm interested in going back to some of the the classic stuff that you and I relied on for, you know, the first 30 or 40 years of our lives, the, the unsolved mysteries, the datelines, the, can you hear the dog squeaking? I'm sorry about that. Um, the, you know, 
the stuff that was sort of the standard tropey stuff that for now for me doesn't just feel dusty but feels offensive and feels like copaganda and you know it's like I'm that these story that these shows are still being made. I guess I'm sort of like thinking like the standard like oxygen ID sort of bullshit. Sure. That these this stuff is still being made suggests to me that there's an audience, but I'm like, why? Why when there are these three episode Hulu joints that you and I are disdaining but are still way better than, you know, Ice T's Cold Justice or whatever it was. Remember that? We watched that for the water presents. I I mean, I'm not sure it's not still on like there were multiple seasons of it i think you're right i feel like i got a press release on it but um, you know all of those shows that we blessedly do not have to write about because there's plenty of other stuff and i'm not saying this in a snobby like we only do prestige true crime because i just talked about how hot edgar ramirez is um but we don't have to deal with that stuff and i feel like even when we started best evidence uh which i think you know five four or five years ago, we had to give a little more attention to that. And we don't, we don't have to think about that anymore because you can fill a week with true crime that is not that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's supposed to be the true crime that's worth your time. So my eye is always towards like, who is this for? Um, And what does it have to tell us? Like, is this a, is this a narrative that however long it is or however it's constructed um, that has anything to offer anyone. Like, I just think people are not necessarily paying attention to how many, to how long a thing should take to do. Anyway, um, but, you know, that's that's what we're here to do, is to be like, or to look at some book that, why why is, I know my first name is Steven, like, why is that a rarity? Why can I charge like $21 for a busted old paperback about that story? All right, let's read it and see. Is that worth your time and money? Maybe not, but I'd just rather. I think that book's a nostalgia play. That's my uneducated guess is that it's people our age or maybe slightly older who remembered seeing the I mean, you and I were raised in a very similar way on that we were not allowed to watch television, mm-hmm. yet we were television adjacent. So some of these shows mm-hmm. took on this mythic quality, right? Um, like, you know, like that show, like other shows where you'd see the commercial in the afternoon when you were at your friend's oh, yeah, house, but sure. you'd never be allowed to watch it by your parents. And then they, so, yeah, and then they'd yeah. air it like on Lifetime, whatever, five years yeah. later. I mean, that, but. Uh, Helter Skelter is also, it's not a nostalgia play, but it's one of those like stories that's in kind of the pantheon of the genre, but people love those books hard. And then, I mean, people always buy them from me, but it's because I can only charge $2 and probably that's a little high. Like, I don't, I mean, who knows, after three years now, yikes, of doing this, there are certain sales patterns that I still don't understand at all. And I just have to buckle up and hope people keep ordering, because it's December in retail America. Um, but Wait, spe- speaking of sales patterns, there's another sort of like 
past year thing that I want to bring up. And that's, and I don't know if this is one of those things like when you develop an allergy when you get older, or if it actually is becoming more of a thing. But I feel like in this, in our divided America, you know, capital letters for each one of those words, um, I feel that I am seeing more overt and aggressive propaganda. Um, and maybe that's dumb to say because, you know, for a long time, that's all we had. But I feel like with the increasing amount of like various Dan Abrams properties and everything else, that propaganda is less just about like, we're going to tell the cops narrative and more about like, why additional funding needs to be given to the police, why we need to get rid of certain judges, why certain DAs need to go down. And we're seeing this in writing and we are seeing this in um, on TV and we are seeing this in podcasts. A great example, I think, would be the rise that we've seen, especially over the past year, but it's something that's been coming for the last few years um, with police organizations, police unions, local police departments getting their own podcasts. And as someone, I mean, I'm not like an official cop watch person, but I think I approach police with a um, more than healthy amount of skepticism. Um, this is something that I'm really watching because especially when we're going into elections, when we look at uh local news coverage and we see you use the word doom loop and that's something that you know I take really personally um, because that's a phrase that's been applied uh, to San Francisco I know it's a phrase that's also been applied to you know to New York mm -hmm. recently the you know downtowns are going down you know why because Democrat mayors yeah like mm -hmm. like that pinko Eric Adams um, yeah like that pinko London breed but you know and there's this whole sort of like and I'm not like spinning a conspiracy theory here or anything like that. I don't think that, you know, any political party is particularly organized enough to pull it off. But I do think that small groups are trying even harder to sow fear right now. So SOW. And we're seeing that in our true crime content and also in our news coverage, which is provides the roots for future true crime content. So that's one of the things that as we go into 2024 and the election cycle gets even hotter, it's something that I am going to be examining even more critically and less unquestioningly. I know how bad the, that grammar is, Sarah. I'm sorry, but that's the only way I can think of to put it. Um, and so people who are irritated when I say that, you know, we're being presented with a bill of goods when it comes to crime and crime statistics, might just want to unsubscribe now. It, yeah, I don't. Um, I don't notice that so much in coverage, but I do. You know, I'm looking ahead to the coming election season, and I'm feeling like I'm just not. Like I, I'm not inclined to both sides, things, mm -hmm. in, in any event, and um, you know we've. <laughs> We've had people unsubscribe from other podcasts that I do because uh, we were Republican bashing. Like, <laughs> really? We've been we've been doing again with this for like ten years. Just now, you got sick of it. We're such pinkos over there. But um, I really hope that people like um, coverage of obscure Watergate, 
Iana because I have a heap of it and I'm going to read all of it because I find it very soothing in an election year to believe that the system can correct itself. And uh, Fred Thompson wrote a Watergate memoir and it is out of print and worth a lot of money. And uh, I'm going to find out why. But yeah, I'm. this is what I'm dreading in the coming year is like just a crossover of crime coverage and political coverage and just like how much corruption there is and why we still have to care what George fucking Santos is doing. Like, you know, but like we said, we, we can choose not to, we could choose not to engage with certain properties. And um, maybe in the case of like books about Santos books about J six, maybe we just don't want to go there. I don't know, but I'm, well, and I'm talking bracing. about, too, like things like normalizing stuff like uh, nextdoor.com, ring doorbell footage nonsense. I'm, you know, normalizing the mean world syndrome that's perpetuated by the Citizen app by giving mm-hmm. them, you know, a, you know, a TV show option, um, stuff like that. So we are going to see a lot of the stuff even more mainstreamed because and I don't think it's related necessarily to the election, a lot of this stuff, but I do think that mean world syndrome sells, you know, you, you click through on those next door uh, notifications, you know, we all do. And um, it, it, you know, it's not, it is not the worst exploitation out there when it comes to crime coverage, but you know, mean world syndrome is real. It does build this sort of thing. And the next thing you know, your parents are refusing to come visit you in your town of 50,000 people because they heard that that's where all the auto break-ins are. Mm -hmm. And, and all of this is just sort of fed by, I think the isolation of the pandemic and people being extremely online and, um, you know, getting their information from, next door and all these other sort of platforms as opposed to you know talking to their neighbors and um i am hopeful that as people are more and more out and about um as the pandemic continues to wane that some of that will go away um but i think it's just one of those things that i'm vigilant about when it comes to our true crime content the shows that are being picked up by id and oxygen or whatever because i don't want that shit to bleed into you know the good stuff Well, yeah. And we're also not like, we're not necessarily here to um, like, I don't know. I always make it a point to be like, we're, you know, it's a true crime review newsletter, but we're not reviewing crime. Crime is bad. That's why we have different words for crime and cotton candy. But it's also like, I, you know, it always goes back to that awareness of you know what you're consuming what you're being told by whom and how it's being made and there's like you know there's two angles on that one is is this the cop's version of events and another is you know was this was this made to like kind of put a thumb in the eye or like salt in the wound of like stranger danger um, bad crime stats, blah, 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 or is this actually trying to tell a story Yeah, and share facts? So, I mean, we're always, we're always kind of looking at that. So we will continue. We'll continue to do that. In local and news today, bees. <laughs> <laughs> don't remember what that's from, but I'm so glad I still have that clip. I love it. 
I mean, but, you know, to that point too, like sort of the last thing that I want to say that was really like sort of like a mental change for me was thinking more and more about um, the subjects of uh, true crime stories. And, and in some cases, that might even mean the people who were convicted um, and thinking about why they don't always have the option not to participate and why and and what all of that means like i guess there is sort of this whole question about consent when it comes to participation and how when you don't participate that means that the story is told can be one that you feel is very damaging to um to the victims to the other people in the story. And um, there's a link you're going to put in the show notes. Um, it's a Rolling Stone story about um, the Bianca Devins case. Her mom declined to participate in a Channel 4 documentary about um, her death um, just because she had a deal with a, another show. And so what the documentary ended up being was an interview with the person who was convicted of killing her daughter. Mm. And, 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 um, in uh, last week's episode, you talked about how there was this uh, book that was by um, a convicted, I think you said rapist, mm-hmm. um, and it was about them maybe getting off on writing the book. And this, uh, it, Bianca's mother believes that this was a very similar situation when it came to this interview, that this person who killed her daughter was getting a charge out of doing this interview. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like... When I think about that more and more, like why people decline to participate, why that does not necessarily indicate that they are being untruthful, like who who shows up and who doesn't and why is something that I, because I started thinking about that more and more, I intend to interrogate a lot harder in 2024. Well, there's also the, there's also the question too of um, like the litigiousness that we've talked about. Yeah. In uh in this space in the past and you know like who uh, does information actually want to be free? And what sense of free are you talking about? Like this is just the stuff that we think about uh every weekday on the newsletter so you know <laughs> just just some light airy topics. Free. Like whether vegans should or shouldn't eat honey, you know. Don't don't at me. I don't have an opinion. And whatever you think is right. Next time on the docket, uh, it'll be 2024. Who knows what we'll be thinking about then. But uh, Eve had an idea. Eve, what are we talking about next time? Well, since um, this uh, newsletter began, we've talked about why hasn't this been adapted yet. And so I thought we could round up some recent cases that we'd love to see adaptations of and how we might deal with them if we were in charge. Excellent. I can't wait to talk about that. I can't wait for a whole new year of best evidence in the docket. And folks, you make all of this possible. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear from you about this topic or anything else that we've ever talked about. Editorial at bestevidence.fyi. You can scroll down and leave a comment, or you can find us on socials for Best Evidence FYI on Insta and Blue Sky. Talk to you next time.